you all are listening to Lame, the Lexington Audubon Marxist experience, but Audubon is like the bird guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Jenry. Most pronounce it just Audubon. Audubon? Yeah. Have you ever been to like Audubon Park in New Orleans? Oh, no. Well, that's not how they said it in American Animals. They said Audubon. Well, who's more right? The people that go to Audubon Park or the people that made American animals. That's up to the listener to decide. It's yeah. the it's the 29th of October. It's our Halloween spooktacular here on 2021. 2021. Yes, I um, forget. We have a Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at LamePod. You can email us all your comments, questions, concerns, and sticker requests at LexLamePod at gmail.com. If you want a sticker, we'll send it to you via the United States Postal Service. Yes. Completely free of charge. Uh, we have some corrections, some corrections to make. Well, last episode I talked about, um, uh, during our strike alert section, um, I, the employees that crashed equipment inside the factory, that was the John Deere strike, right? Oh, however, at the Heaven Hill strike, a, um, a non-union trucker um was trying to i guess was i guess was assumingly was a uh, too busy preoccupied trying to give the bird to um uh the picket line that uh he lost control of his vehicle and um it turned over uh no one was hurt but um yeah hilarious um, i love it the amount of the, the the chaos the chaos that comes when you have uh no no unions um folks unionize that's the only way yeah, uh, because this is the spooky Halloween spectacular episode, we have to open with the spookiest news. There's a Masonic temple opening in Lexington. No way. Not to be confused with all the other Masonic temples already open, but this one I thought was funny. Um, it was the, so Willie's locally known, and then it was called like Nash's or something, whatever. It's um, on Southland Drive right next to the railroad tracks, um, and... I haven't seen any news about this, but I just drive by that area pretty frequently. And um, it is uh, some lodge is uh, is buying it. Um, and uh, it is the the York Wright Bodies, um, which is some some sect, some like level. I some I, Masonic I, sect. I did a brief goo. I used to know a lot more about Freemasonry, um, but I don't. Whatever. I mean, I'm glad that the I'm glad that there's actually Masons building more lodges in 2021. I think um, I think lodges writ large um, are actually uh, pretty good. Um, before there was insurance and before any of this uh, th- this other evil stuff, there was your. Um, fraternal lodges that uh protected you and your family you know you know what's really cool is the masonic uh washington monument have you ever seen that no what is, is it just a big <clears throat> oh my G? god no this is this is insane of course not related to lexington kentucky right, at all, all right well, we'll strap in um george it's um you like see it you see it like on the amtrak coming in to uh union station all right um masonic uh, memorial and this thing is like exactly how you would imagine that if the freemasons built just, a just a big square uh it is here let me pull it 
pull it up for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, just tall with the big G and the square in front of it. Well, but kind of exactly what I imagined. Mm-hmm. It's well, cool, though. That's great, guys. Um, huge shout out to the Masons. Uh, I'm curious what the next... I'm curious if there's anyone like our age that's getting into Masonry. Um, I'm sure there's at least one. You need a lot more than one to make that work. So whatever. Everyone get busy starting some fraternal orders. Um, it's how it's how uh, unions got their start anyways. You mm-hmm. know, We're like starting the fraternal order of podcasting. FOP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll get to them. Um, <laughs> so uh, the most pressing news of the week is obviously that... Um, uh, now, effective sometime soon, you you can no longer just dial a seven-digit number in Lexington and expect it to go through. Um, now you have to start putting 859 at the front of it, right? I'm holding out that uh, 257 will still work um, because uh, that's UK's own special hookup, um, and hopefully everyone just knows. Um, the uh, ADU vote has gone through. Um, everyone voted unanimously for it. Um, but, uh, it's for the one that doesn't allow you to do detached housing. You have to already have a garage to do it or whatever. But I mean, I don't know. I personally won. I of course will be moving into uh Blake Hall's accessory dwelling unit, um, in exchange for regularly scheduled episodes of lame. Um, I'm sure he would really appreciate that. I know where he, he will actually be the only person to apply for this pilot program i can't imagine anyone else is really like i just got a garage that i'm just itching to turn into this thing you know Mm -hmm. most and you can't build a garage with that in mind because that would be it's so what a what a stupid fucking thing i mean can you build a garage and just say that you don't have an adu in mind when you're building it but then be like oh later i've changed my mind mind. i i only one way to find out. And I guess. by later, I mean like uh, a day later or like yeah, that's minutes the thing. later. I'm very curious how long it has to be before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, speaking of the fraternal order of podcasters, um, they just uh, the uh, the FOP just signed um, another four year contract with uh, the city of Lexington. Um, it's going to cost the city. That's right, folks. We funded the police an extra $21.3 million, right? Yeah, just just shooting that off in the air. Imaginary guns going off. Yeah, great, great fucking job, idiots. Um, So let's just get some clippings, shall we? A four-year collective bargaining agreement with Lexington's police union that ups pay and includes change to police disciplinary procedures is moving closer to be finalized, right? Um. Uh, on November 4th, uh, the council's making their final vote on it. Um, it just passed their work session, I believe. Um, this has been, a, obviously, a negotiation for, like, over two years, um, and there's about 600 positions that the FOP bargains for, right? Um, this is an excellent... <sighs> the police are always an excellent example of uh, why your workplace should be unionized. These guys just fucking get... I mean, you can you can can you can extract no concessions and get away with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's they get they name what they want and they get it. Yeah. So, why are we paying them all this extra money? Well, right. 
the big thing that we got out of it that we're like, oh yeah, big victory for us or whatever, is that we've added civilians to a to an internal police disciplinary review board. Right now, the current internal review board has one member of the FOP and six members of the command staff. Right? What? Oh, whoa! Command staff. That is the yeah. That is that would be the actual police. Okay. Uh, right. So the new the new review board has reduced. There's only five members of the police command staff, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we got two civilians, right? Okay. But idiots, idiots. There's also now another FOP. There's now two FOP. Wait, hold people. on. No. Yeah. So they're like, isn't it great? We added civilians to the oversight board. No, you fucking didn't. You fucking idiot. They cancel uh, each other out. Yeah. Literally. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like. Like how how are these civilians chosen? I have no fucking clue. I don't. I honestly, I can't. I mean, it it doesn't fucking matter. Landlord Linda packing the uh, oversight board. Look, we'll get to um the kind of uh civilians that the city councilors like to pick out in a later part of this podcast. Um, the so how do I say this? Like, there are ways of do getting the police to do things that is not through contract bargaining, right? For instance, um, the no knock warrant thing was in no part of the discussion and the thing, cause I was outside of that discussion and the city's legal department is like, we're going to keep fighting this lawsuit and it's unreal. And we should, um, you know, and, and they do not believe it's part of the bargaining and good on them for taking some kind of stand. But I still, I'm yet to, I've yet to see any major concession from these guys. Right. Um, except for maybe, maybe this next one, if it's even useful, right? So the current contract that we have prohibits the administration from considering prior disciplinary actions after five years when it comes to police officers, right? And then in this new contract will let you consider all prior disciplinary actions. So like, okay. Um, but that's not, okay, sure. Great. Um, glad to see we got, I wonder how much money we had to pay out in their salary raise, um, in, uh, in concession for this. Oh, actually, this may be the most fucked up concession, right? Quote, other key changes include allowing police officers to take home their cruisers if they live within 45 miles of Lexington, right? That's like all of them. 45 miles? Do you know how far you can, 45 miles can get you? Like you far from okay, so forty five miles from Lexington, from Fayette County, right? Yes, or because from we, Fayette County, right? Yeah. For reference, it takes me an hour to get to Lexington. I live like twenty miles away, right? You could live in like Somerset, in like in, in, in commute to work here. You, you could just live, be, you could live in uh, you could live in like Dry Ridge. You could live in the middle of fucking nowhere. And yet, spend your action, spend your day job going around and policing, like you know, like the north side of Lexington. Like that's incredibly fucked up. Um, because let me say this: it used to be thirty-five mile radius, which also seems extreme, right? Um, officers reimburse the city for every for twenty-five cents every mile they drive, right? Um, Wait, they pay the city. Yes, I believe so. Um, they they are paying the city back for every twenty five cents. Okay, they're not saying like uh, the police officers' work reimburses the city for every twenty five cents. No, no, that's dumb. Whenever you know, it's 
Always a huge red flag when someone's like, suicide costs America $7 billion. Like, that's not... What the fuck are you talking about, man? How do you put a number on that? Um, Like, okay. So... Whatever. There are, apparently, this is helping the department attract more candidates from outside Fayette County. Don't attract more candidates from outside Fayette County. Don't if attract you, more candidates. Don't Simply don't attract more candidates. This is the thing. I mean, there is fundamentally no... Th- the most liberal city councilor on the thing has no issue with what's going on right now, right? So you got to start. I mean, this is why I have no hope for this for this slate of things. Despite how progressive some of the stuff they've been talking about is, the actual contract they signed through is shit like this, um, right? Speaking of giving raises to people, right? Um, here's a different article. Um, Lexington is uh, giving a 6% salary increase to non-sworn city employees. I'm assuming those are all the people that aren't elected, like constables and um, the sheriff. Is and... uh, Constable McNabb elected? Yes, absolutely. There's no other way that guy would get a job if he wasn't elected. The man is not unqualified, is seemingly in any way, shape, or form. Um <laughs> <laughs> he's he has a great promising career in automotive body work if he ever wants to uh, get out of that he's very good at attaching and detaching um fake police lights to his car um whatever uh so they're doing that and then they're increasing its minimum wage to fifteen dollars and giving a few other pay hikes in other departments right um part the span between these two articles that i'm reading is that all police officers are getting a one-time $5,000 bonus um, for um, through ARPA money. Um, so, you know, uh, the city... Uh, da, 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 da. All poli- how many police officers are there in Lexington? Well, 600 positions under the it, How much was it? 1,000? 5,000? 5,000. 5,000? Yeah, yeah. All right, go do some math. Go ahead. And do, maybe no, do think, about how much, think about how much money that would be... Think about how that money would be better spent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already any other way. What look, we already talked. We spent about. a lot of dumb. We spent a lot of dumb money in a lot of dumb places. <laughs> so the city gave its employees a three percent salary raise starting in uh, in July, and then a second three percent increase would take effect in January. Um, the city's increasing their minimum wage to fifteen, and they're increasing hazardous duty pay for employees who are around hazmat subways and on call pay, approximately. Uh, 1,800 plus employees, including police, fire, and corrections, corrections, qualified under federal COVID relief for a one-time $5,000 bonus. At least 232 of these employees make more than the county medium income, which is uh, $72,000, which I say, guys, what, what job are you getting that you're getting so much money? I make like a fifth of that. I would like, I want in. Can some <laughs> please god I'm, I'm i'm desperate anyway um so uh, other workers eligible for arpa money janitorial waste management child care social service and public health staff yeah the actual people that make this city run around they're just sort of in the back on that one um hamilton said the city's uh 954 employees that did not qualify for federal covid relief will receive $3,500. This includes all directors and commissioners. And there's no salary limit for that. So, um, yeah. uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yes. Hamilton said that the city has struggled over the past few years to attract and keep employees. Uh, these pay increases are necessary to maintain city services. 
So this will cost the city's general fund $4.7 million. In addition, the administration will ask for an additional $2.6 million. Um, the money uh, for the one-time bonuses. The city must pay additional costs and fees, including payments to the pension system associated with those one-time bonuses. The council previously set aside $15 million from ARPA uh, for this pay. Uh, to quote Hamilton, we can't afford not to do this. I agree. Um, uh, so the city is also adding two new paid holidays, Veterans Day and Juneteenth, which I was like, How's Veterans Day isn't a paid holiday. Come on, guys. You guys love the vets. Um, whatever. In the last three months, the city has tried to recruit for 80 positions. 45% had five or less qualified applicants apply, and 71% had less than 10 qualified applicants apply, Hamilton said. It wasn't that long ago that the city would sometimes receive up to 60 applications for jobs, she says. When the city has posted positions on social media, people often balked at the salaries. Quote, good luck with that hourly pay. This position will stay unfilled for one person. That's like, okay, that's an AI. Yeah. Nobody writes like that. I like it. I would write it. Yeah. I'd say, good luck. You will never fill this position um, until you adopt <laughs> tenets of Marxist Leninism. Um, anyway. <clears throat> this materialist uh, understanding that pay. Uh, uh, yeah. If I could even uh, this talk is the, right now. I mean, this is the thing. Like, the average person <clears throat> kind of tacitly already understands <clears throat> the labor theory of value, right? It's it's a lot of these middle management management freaks that don't seem to understand it, and of course they can't understand it because people that are paid the most at these companies generally do the least, right? Um, several council members asked during Thursday's earlier meeting if the city can afford the pay hike with a source of money. To them, I say, die mad. Um, the city recently ended its fiscal year with uh, twenty eight million dollars in surplus. Wicked. Um, yeah, things are things are looking great for us. Um, so the and it says here the five thousand one time bonus paid to uh, to the uh, FOP is part of the collective bargaining agreement, um, and well, okay they said the same thing. All right, folks, how am I doing on time? All right, cool, we got, we got it, we got it. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to my personal hell. Want to take any guesses? <clears throat> is it Nicholasville Road? No, no, no. Although that was pretty bad today. This is a segment that I've been trying to do on this podcast for maybe two months now. Oh, this one. Yes. Um, This is going to be the first of many installments of me talking about the redistricting stuff. The redistricting stuff. There's simply so much shit out there that is constantly changing. And I just, I, it's a very difficult to do it. Especially when you don't exactly have a whole lot of free time. And it's one of my greatest shames on this podcast that I've been unable to give you all any good redistricting stuff. It it eats at my soul every night that I'm like, fuck, this episode of Lame's not even going to be even good, man. Fuck, this sucks. Not even any redistricting in there. I, know. Um, I would like to, because this is sort of my favorite things, I would like to declare a jihad against JavaScript. Um, a lot of A lot of the information about redistricting that I was reading was on Civic Lex's website, right? Just a jihad against Civic Lex. Sure. I mean, uh, we'll we'll get to that. (laughs) Whatever. They have maybe the worst website. The city government website is, is like, 
leagues better. And even then, it still has dumb moving JavaScript elements and stuff like that. Mm. This website, every time you go to a CivicLux website, it looks like you're about to hit the end of the page. And if you don't just keep, like, as you scroll, information just appears. And I'm like, it would have saved you and me time if you didn't do this. It would have saved my computer time not having to process this, right? Why can't you just give me a normal HTML document? Do the people of CivicLex know the virtues of the hypertext markup language? Yes. Do they know the lang- Do they know the virtues of CSS, something that is fully HTML compliant, right? I sh- in order to okay guys in order to read about redistricting in the city of Lexington I should not have to have JavaScript enabled on my web browser. Well, you can you can learn about it if you join their book club. Their the book club is book just club. reading fucking articles about gerrymandering. I mean, any like, but that's not that doesn't tell me anything about Lexington specific redistricting, right? And like, it's just very confusing. There's all these maps going around. The city has certain maps on their website. Mm. Uh, Civic Lex has certain maps on their website. There's like so, a bunch of plans, right? Yeah, there's a bunch of ideas, and they've been formalized. I've been so late to the party that this thing is almost over, right? Um, but guess what? Because my life is so fucked up by JavaScript specifically, um, you're gonna. I'm just gonna give you the rules of the game, right? Let's hear it. Here are the rules given to the to this redistricting committee, right? Number one. The council district should have population equality with each district not having a deviation of more than 10% from other council districts, right? Existing voting precincts cannot be split. Each district shall be composed of closely arranged precincts that are concentrated in a limited area. Each district shall be composed of adjoining precincts sharing common boundaries, the precinct location shall be based upon the 2020 census redistricting data, right? The district should reflect particular community interests or a range of characteristics, including aggregating areas with similar physical, cultural, or socioeconomic characteristics. The districts should accommodate relative rates of future growth such that districts are in growth areas will have a population in the lower range of the ideal population. New districts should be formed with as little change as possible to existing districts. Keeping the council members in their current districts should be a priority. (laughs) If possible, recognized neighborhood associations should not be split into different council districts. And finally, arterial highways and other corridors that have been used as boundaries should be considered in defining district boundaries. I'm just imagining, like... Um, we could do five episodes just about these rules. Yes. Like, you know, uh, Mayor Linda Gordon comes down from, uh, you know, from Mount Sinai, uh, stone tablets in hand, these uh, rules from the GIS gods. The G- and the GIS gods said, the, the you one, should probably the one keep David Kloiber in his district. The one and true GIS god. <laughs> Uh, Mayor Linda Gordon comes down and she has all of these. Each district shall not commit adultery. Each, Each district, district shall not covet the other district's wife. Um, uh, Each district shall be perfectly proportioned with other districts within 10%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a few ones, right? Like, okay, so, so, right? There's two mindsets you can have about gerrymandering, right? There is the sort of NPR mindset you can have about it. And then there's the praxis mindset you can have about it, right? 
in the true sort of like centrist, like I believe the system is good type beat, you want, you would preferably want these districts to be as simple, as simple of a shape as possible, right? You would want them to be equally portioned and you would want them to be like, like, like perfect, just, you know, perfectly geographically maintained and in these nice looking shapes that are, you know, preferably along, you know, like these large interstate roads and stuff like that, you know, and you have all these nice things and it looks nice on a map. So every, you know, so everyone has a fair say or whatever, right? Geography is not like this, right? The praxis mindset of this rejects this idea of liberal like centri centrism about like jerry about gerrymandering being bad right gerrymandering is good and you should do it um and you should do it to achieve political goals right because here's the thing right when when there is a when when there is a contest from the right theoretically the left should also contest it on the same political grounds that it is doing, right? The reason why we say that liberalism breeds fascism, right, is because liberals in politics do not engage in political struggle against right-wing forces because they are deeply obsessed with the rules and procedures that give a sort of perfect utopian kind of like level beautiful playing field or whatever, right? They have no interest in taking any sort of political advantage that they have, right? And doing anything with it. Um, many times because, surprise, surprise, liberalism is is a right-wing ideology. Like, there's not simply it, you know? I mean, like, I would have a hard time IDing anyone, actually, on, um, on, at, you know, on city council that is actually economically left wing, right? Or any of this stuff, because these people all, all are in on, they all want similar things like this, right? So this being said, I don't know what, I don't know how I would gerrymander Lexington to work better because there's a few, there's ups and downs to it, right? Um, do you want to give the people outside the urban service boundary more political power so they can stop the expansion of the urban service boundary, right? Like, theoretically, yes, but also, like, the being against the expansion of the urban service boundary is a um, tenuous political relationship, right? We do not... I am in agreement... With, I stand hand-in-hand hand with many people who are not... You know, who have radically different beliefs from me but we are united in the fact that we do not want the urban service boundary expanded, right? So, you know, you gotta organize, you gotta gerrymander a little more abstractly, right? And that is uh, a a question for a um, a real political party with real with more than just you know two people at a microphone to work out. But what I'm saying is that 10 years from now when this lame train's really rolling we're going to do some big gerrymandering stuff. We're, we're going on lame season 10. Lame season 10 is really I mean guys, we're going to I don't know how, but we're going to do it and that's my opinion 
on this. Also, the reason I say stuff like this, the district should reflect particular community interests or a range of characteristics, including aggregating areas with similar physical, cultural, or socioeconomic characteristics. The nature of classic Republican gerrymandering is to create these hyper, high, like, like, like very, very, like, like staunchly Democrat districts where candidates have like a huge 80 point swing, right? Or whatever, you know, now would that put more radical types in city council? Theoretically, theoretically, right? But at the same time, you do it so you can make other, the majority of council seats way more contestable for Republicans who are, and I cannot stress this enough, a deeply, deeply unpopular. I mean, maybe only 30% of the population actually supports these things, right? But yet, yet, almost the entirety of this country is set up so that it, in terms of poli- in terms of political terms, it is a pretty dead, even dead heat between Republicans and Democrats, right? Um, and, you know, I'm just, whatever. Um, okay, so a little more time. I want to talk to you. The other thing I want to talk to you about with the redistricting is who are who is on the committee to redistrict, right? And these people are appointed by city councilors and the vice mayor, right? So here is it, just straight straight from the uh, Civic Lex site, which I have copied and pasted into a um, word processor and. Uh, it is instantly better because I can scroll and access the information at any point. And it has hyperlinks. I mean, take notes, guys, would you? So um, there are two. So the chair is Bill Wilson, right, who was appointed by Vice Mayor Kay, who is the res- he, this, he is the retired associate vice president for development in major gifts from the University of Kentucky, right? So, like, already, like, I mean, like a huge... Major what? Major gifts. Oh, gifts. It's all about courting a bunch of rich guys to give you money. Okay, I heard major gifts, like oh, graphical interchange format. Yeah, yeah, Aaron, that's exactly what they would have. I was the very, well, I was very confused. Mm. Sure. Um, so that's the chair of this, right? And then we have two at-large appointments, right? And it doesn't say who's appointed these people, whatever. Uh, we have Don Todd, who was... <laughs> A personal injury attorney and former council member. Great. Um, we have another woman, Andrea Schoeninger. No, no bio given, right? District 1. Uh, this appointed by James Brown. Andrea Jackson, community engagement coordinator at the Pritchard Committee for Accident, Academic Excellence. Um, I seems very PMC. I don't know. I don't really know anything else really about it. Um, I've never heard of this stuff, but whatever. You're out on a committee for academic ex- excellence? Ugh. Okay, who does Josh McKern appoint? Rock Daniels, realtor and property developer. Mm. Eh, he's getting the guillotine. Um, Hannah Legree. This is Aunt Hannah Legree. This is an all right pick, but let's read the description, right? Associate professor of geography at UK, which is good. Visiting scholar at the Center for Geographic Analysis at Harvard University. Bad. Nothing good comes from Harvard. No good people go to Harvard. Try again. Didn't Richard Wolf go to Harvard? I don't know. Shut the fuck up, Aaron. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> no one good went to Harvard. Um, I believe I believe in Richard Wolf. He's a principled Marxist-Leninist. He's good. Um, but no one good went to Harvard. Um, 
Parentheses, full disclosure, Matthew Liv- Wilson is a Civic Lex uh, programmatic board member. They're all Civic Lex. This is the thing about this um, about this octopus that is known as Civic Lex, right? And um, all of these fucking guys. What they also failed to mention is that Hannah Legree is involved with Civic Lex, too, in this article. So, Which apparently is conveniently missing from her uh, city council bio and her UK bio. Yeah. City, okay, District 3... Hannah Legree, parentheses, Civic Lex, appointing a guy who is also, parentheses, Civic Lex, being reported on, the only people reporting on this being Civic Lex. And I'm like, what a, what a fucking weird, what a weird fucking organization. Whatever. Um, okay, so uh, I never actually looked this up, um, what a merge is. Do you know this thing, Aaron? Um, District 4, appointed by Susan, no. Susan Lamb, Brenda Moneres. Emerge em- Kentucky. Emerge Kentucky 2012 alumna, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, now you're out this thing. District 5, Liz Sheehan. Um, this has got to be actually a good one. Um, Ann Donworth, who's the development officer at the Lexington Public Library. I like library employees. I'll take them. Um, this is a curious one. David Kloiber appointed Pat Tatum, who is the former call center director at LaFug. Um, do you know what, what is this one? Anything? Okay, else? so I've got I've got Emerge Kentucky here, and I'm on their About Us page. Yeah, <clears throat> Emerge Kentucky is the state's premier organization that re- recruits, trains, and provides a powerful network to Democratic women who want to run for office. Jesus. We aspire women to run. Ho- we hone their skills to win, and then they have a board of directors. And there's people on that board of directors, and then Great they have an Aaron. advisory board, and there's Great people on reporting. there. Okay. Um, and yeah, our mission to increase the number of Democratic women from diverse backgrounds in public office through recruitment, training, and providing a powerful network. Okay, great. Well, maybe, <clears throat> maybe, hopefully, they'll be into Jerry. We Peter. provide the only in-depth six-month, <sighs> seventy-hour training program. Fuck! <laughs> what? <laughs> that provides, what are they fucking teaching you there? That provides aspiring female leaders with cutting-edge tools and training to run for elected office. They keep using the same language. I, because well, of course you, because there's and nothing. Elevate I mean, themselves in our political system. I can't name you well, something more vapid than the ideology of the Democratic so, Party. How do you fucking learn anything? So they have. So they. Come on, is that a hyperlink? No. It's what the hell? Blue. It's, it's just, just text blue. That's blue. Yes. Look at that. I'm trying to click on it. Weird. It's not a link. Whatever. I'm gonna um, keep rolling, Aaron. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to have things. Preston Worley. This guy's a. You can. You know this guy's fucked up. He appointed Marcus Patrick, who is the director of urban impact at the Lexington Leadership Foundation. Aaron, you want to get on that? What's the Lexington? <laughs> I'm just over. The, I'm not over the fact that there's uh, there are seven emerge women in the Kentucky State House, 27 midterm election wins, and 35 currently serving in office. Okay, great. Whatever. Um, the Lexington Leadership Foundation sounds fucked up. Um, the uh, Fred Brown appointed Carol Cargill, who's the secretary and treasurer of the Southeastern Hills Neighborhood Association. So, um, uh, fuck you. For, for a neighborhood association for the suburbs? No thanks. Lexington Leadership uh, oh, Foundation, which is their this? website is lexlf.org. <sighs> um, I'm going to bullshit 501Cs in this is this can i just take this for a you second you can't even read it yeah well i mean yeah at least civic lex website is reading readable um we believe in citywide transportation requires collaboration across multiple sectors such as faith business government and education faith? yeah um 
We believe in leaders drive change. Great. I'd love to see that there's still people believing in great man theory. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Our leaders come from various walks of life, including urban youth, grassroots community organizers, marketplace entrepreneurs, and city officials. We got the urban youth. We got the, we got the community organizers. We got the marketplace entrepreneurs. We're the Marxists. Yeah, wait, literally. Training, coaching, and mentoring leaders results in empowered people serving the city in their circle of influence. Cool. One, it sounds like a bunch of wannabe Civic Lex types. Um, Civic Lex 2, Lexington Leadership Foundation. Jeez. In 1998, four of us from Lexington attended a Christian Community Development Association meeting in St. Louis. I attended a breakout session hosted by Leadership Foundations. That seminar exposed me to concepts which gave me the handle for my heart. Spurred on by what we learned there, we started the LLF in 1999. Our founding leaders felt that the first action should be to pray, and thus our prayer ministry was started. Next, a survey of inner-city ministry leaders and social service providers was undertaken to determine the pressing needs facing our city, which are not currently being addressed by any other agency. The overwhelming cry was for help with children and youth. I could have never imagined what would follow. Okay, well... I'm imagining like a Dr. Najoli-type acronym for pray. What we needed to do was pray. Yeah. P is... Uh, P, uh, P is provisional pr- protects uh, family values. Yeah, yeah. R is remove provision. Remove, res- remove restrictions on uh, the private yeah. sector. Well, it could be worse, right? Um, you could be uh, Whitney Elliott Baxter, the real estate agent. That's a city councilor um, who is uh, just a, uh, a chosen Kim Justice, who's just an office manager for Blue and Company, a company I've never heard of, but whatever. Um, couldn't couldn't be worse than Amanda Bledsoe, who is uh, running for state senate as a Republican, who has um, just put uh, uh, the owner of Lynn Imaging on that. So <laughs> District Ten, your 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 hands are in are in good health, good health over here. Um, interesting. Um, the uh, Jennifer Reynolds opposed to Christine Smith, who is the executive director for Seedleaf. Is that anything? Seedleaf. That's, Blue, I'm assuming Blue that's Blue is a statistics company, some kind of consulting firm. Oh no, fucking way! At Blue and Co, we have we all have something in common. We didn't get into this field because we love numbers and spreadsheets. They're although freak we consult in this, man. although I mean, we definitely do. We got into this field oh. because we love helping others. We're driven by the impact that our work can have on our teammates, they, our clients, and our community. They are fucking fixing bread prices in Canada right it's now. It's our mission to learn about what keeps you up at night mm-hmm. and find ways to give you peace of mind. All right, guys. Well, I have to take it back. Seed Leaf does seem all right. They're a community gardening organization, oh, and I'm okay. all about the community garden. Um, it's all so, about finding. It's also about finding ways to help you achieve personal, financial, and life goals. Jesus. And when you achieve those goals, you better believe we're going to be over here doing cartwheels to cheer you on. Shut the fuck up! All right, Kathy Plowman of District Twelve appoints Joe Jonalia, a farm manager at the Walnut Hall Walnut Hall Stock Farm. Okay, District Twelve, you got a farmer. Great. So I can name you. Let's say. Out of the 12 counselors, I have uh, at, at the moment have only only feel good about hmm, two, maybe three, if you twist my arm, four um, of the people on this thing. Um, but whatever. It's not like um, it's not like any of this might 
even matter, right? If you want to take a little more anarchist approach to this, right? Maybe the whole system is bunk and maybe uh, trying to pursue uh, avenues of revolutionary change through the city government is bad. And maybe you should just do dual power. And by dual power, I do not, I do not, Civic Lex, means start a 501c3 nonprofit organization that just posts information about the government. That's my job. Um whatever we're not even registered exactly we're doing this real real affinity group style our website is readable yes our website is coded in html and html only it is resource um inexpensive on your computer um resource light yes we love you um yeah there's a bunch of articles that the herald leader posted i'll probably get around to reading that at some point Whatever. Um, a lot of this, uh, a lot of these proposals that I looked at showed um, uh, District Ten, the one that's being, the one that is being advocated for by Lynn Imaging, a print company, um, is weirdly sort of sticking, like coming much closer to downtown than it ever has before. Hmm. Um, there was one, and I think it got thrown out, but there was one pretty uh, cool looking one. That did just go for the like real like NPR type, just like making everything nice looking shapes, which I thought was nice. I like the one where they just split up, they fractured District Twelve into like a whole bunch of different ones. That might have been earlier on. Oh yeah, that one never. That was one that I, they kept talk that I saw in a few different images, but it's like I never saw it used. I never saw it like how do I say this? I never saw that image like used on the actual things. I just I just would only see it on Civic Lex. So I'm like. I don't know. Hmm. I honestly, guys, this is on me for not like dedicating five hours a week for like the last two months to this thing because trying to piece together what has happened now is a uh, should have uh, joined the book club. The ah! I don't want to read articles from the Atlantic, Aaron. Um, you don't. You don't want to read David from <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Um, uh, there's. More, more. Let me say this, guys. There's more to come about redistricting. Probably not as long as this, it's, but uh, I'm excited because a lot of the ones have District Three, like really encouraging on District Four's territory. Like, yeah, really they want to. They're moving District Three down, um, which is curious. I'm like, I wonder what the net effects on that would be because obviously you want. I don't know. I obviously like District Three and District One. And District 11 have the best kinds of voters. And if you do District 5 right, it can. But District 5 expanding even more into the suburbs. Like, it's spilled a little out over oh, New yeah. Circle right now. But we're uh, we're a, looking at a map currently right yeah, now. We'll pull, up, not, uh, pull up your own map, guys. Look up um, Council Districts of Lexington 2021. There is, to my knowledge, not a single revision of the plan that doesn't involve District 5 expanding out into District 7. Everyone um, just becomes a Chevy Chaser. God, man. Um, it's so fucked up. They're fixing a lot of the South. The South has got a weird, like, three districts cut, touch Jesmond County, and I think a lot of the plans have a changing to two or whatever. But I think the one they're actually going with is a, a very, very moderate, very small changes to these They've things. They've got four districts touching Jessamine County. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's true. Technically four. 12, right? 10, I keep forgetting nine, about 12. Eight. Honestly. Yeah. It's so fucked up to me that 12 is both all of rural, but there's also a significant amount of the urban service boundary that is also represented by 12, which I find really interesting, including Heartland. Hmm. Yeah. 
Huh. Real, real head scratcher. Real fucking huh. head scratcher. Um, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call that a wrap. I'm gonna call a little. Um, stop texting me during them while I'm doing my show. <laughs> um, uh, with that, I yield my time. You all are listening to the lame podcast, Lexington Audubon, Audubon, Marxist, Audubon, 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 Marxist experience. I'm Aaron. Uh, and I'm Jenry. And you've reached the middle, you've reached the middle side of today's show. If you want to say it, we could say you've reached the end. I'm not, I'm not willing to, uh. Well, how, what are we at now? We're at like 45 minutes in. We're at 45 minutes in. No, let's read it. You okay. Know? Well, this is great. Let's I was hoping, it. I was hoping you would. Folks. As you know, it's been a real struggle in my life recently to do this. Um, uh, next semester, yes, I'm still in college. Um, I am taking uh, significantly less classes so I can do lame more. Because it is a singular joy to do this podcast. And I feel so deeply distraught that I can't do it. So I've been making some significant life changes to serve you better. For the um, podcast listeners. Literally, for, the, for you, the podcast listener. Um, I, I'm, I'm always very humbled to see that, that like people listen to this program. Well, if you're feeling particularly appreciative and you would like a sticker for that, you can email <laughs> us at lexlamepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us at lamepod. Just on tell Twitter. your friends, man. Yeah. Um, share, share it with your friends. Give us a, a rating on iTunes. And link and maybe, and maybe if you really love this podcast, don't listen to it on Spotify. Listen to it as an actual RSS feed that you pull on your own time. I don't know. Just trying to treat you all to Use listen. Ant- antenna pod pocket casts. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of ones. I'm just trying to say you all should be more resilient. RSS networking is mm-hmm. one of the best ever things on the internet ever done. It is a, it, it's, it's like the most decentralized syndication that is also like really like easily used and widely supported by almost everything I get all my news on RSS. I listen to all my podcasts on RSS. Um, I'm not relying on Spotify to store caches of other people's RSS feeds um, or anything like that. Um, I am pulling directly their server that has their file, and I'm pulling it to my phone. There is no – I don't have any sort of intermediary. Take control of your life. Take control of the media you consume. Uh, That's the end of my soapbox. Go to lamepod.com. If if you're on the desktop – if you want to listen to Lamp Podcast, now you have a Spotify. Go to lamppod.com and you can listen to all of our episodes. Yeah, I mean, there. but there's also RSS readers on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, on on the desktop. Do as well. some research. Yeah, look at look it up. But speaking you're... of having should have having done research, let's go into side B. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Lame the Lexington Audubon Marxist Experience. This is going to be a short side B. Yeah. This is um, an, an addition, another addition to the lame reading series oh, yes. here on the show. I love it when they read things on air. It never this happens. Is, yes. This is from the Kentucky, Kentuckian, oh. which I believe um, he's an author. Uh, Peter Brackney is attorney, local historian, preservationist, and author who adopted Kentucky at his home at an early age. Um, and uh, here he is. Here he is on Trivial Thursdays with Jim Gray and uh, oh wow in the and, old uh, old student center yeah in the old student center um, and we're going to be reading um, his little article today about Clay's Mill Road. Uh-huh. 
And I found it particularly interesting. If you uh, would like to follow along, there are some graphics. Uh, link will be in the show notes for that. It's also at the KaneTuckian.com. But if you don't know how to spell that from just my voice, check the show notes. Let's get into it. Um, in a conversation with another local historian, I recently learned about the location of Clay's Mill. And no, <laughs> no way. The they made the they made the Clay's Mill from Clay's Mill Road real. They did. No way. The spokes out of Lexington each head somewhere. Harrodsburg Road goes to Harrodsburg. Nicholasville Road to Nicholasville. Old Frankfurt Pike. Well, you get it. If you consider all the springs and creeks around our community, they consider all the roads with names related to that lost topography and industry that has been covered with residential and commercial zoning structures. Weirdly enough that there's no, uh, that it's called Manchester and not Town Branch. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Weird. It goes to Manchester. There's not a... England. There... Okay, thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks for the... Yeah, great. Um, Armstrong Mill or Mill Pond, which is close to Spring Run Road. Uh, then there is Higby Mill... But probably the most significant mill road in today's Lexington is Clay's Mill. That's right, baby. Historically written, Clay's with an apostrophe, Mill. But it's usually written Clay's, C-L-A-Y-S. Oh, sad. Yeah. Clay's Mill Road runs from Harrisburg Road all the way into Jessamine County, where it terminates at Brandon Road. The map above shows Clay's Mill Road in red. And this is where it helps, it helps to follow along. Where it begins uh, to the Fayette-Jessamine County line. You can just see south of where the road now terminates in Fayette County. The road itself was once the, once two lane the entire distance until a proposal begun in 2002 led towards the road's widening. Some say that widening is still going on to this very more day. More and more north. You know, it is looking very nice, though. It's, they got that turn lane in front of Lexington Catholic. It's, I mean, I'm... I'm just glad that traffic will be able to flow during the school day because when not, I mean... Like, you could simply, driving on Clay's Mill Road was simply not an option when school was getting in or out. Because everyone that wanted to make a left, taint, left, left turn, either into, like, Lexington Catholic or Mary Queen or whatever that uh, public middle uh, elementary school was across the way. I mean, it was all left turn, all day, whatever. Another oft-mentioned project, once in the state's six-year road budget, was the construction of an exchange from New Circle Road at Clay's Mill. That project Ugh. was indefinitely delayed in June or in July 1985. Thank Christ, that would have fucking sucked. <laughs> but the Clay's Mill Road of today, or even 35 years ago, didn't answer the historical question of questions of the road. In 2003, it was posed in the Lexington Herald Leader. Did the Clay family own a mill for which Clay's Mill Road is named? And if so, where was it located? It's a good question. Newtown Pike ended in Newtown. And when you drive out to Richmond Road, you'd eventually arrive in Richmond. This is true. But driving out to Clay's Mill only takes you to Brandon Road. Yes. The newspaper's answer. Quote, the Clay family mill was owned by Marston Clay and was sold to Samuel Barkley in 1803. The mill was located in Jessamine County on Jessamine Creek. Which is what, which is presently at the end of Clay's Mill Road, where it connects to Brandon Road. Oh, great! Whoever wrote the answer for the newspaper clearly didn't travel out to Clay's Mill Road, and if they had, they discovered that Jessamine Creek isn't even close. Oh, to Brandon Road. I've been led along my own podcast. Exactly. That's because Clay's Mill Road was much longer than we think. Whoa! So here's here we get some visual. Oh, you love it, and guys. You ever do some late night uh, Google Earth, just looking mm -hmm. where you just find a creek and just follow it for days? In the map above, the arrows point to a tree line which followed the old path of Claysmill Road. At the top of the map is Brandon Road. <laughs> is it fucking depaved? 
<laughs> I guess so. And at the bottom uh, is Camp Hill Road in Jessamine County. You can still see you can see the reference to the Shamir uh, du Prairie at the very bottom of the map. Oh. But that's cute. not all, folks. That's not all. On the south side of Camp Catnip Hill Road is a 1.6-mile road called Reinheimer Lane. It's a straight shot almost the entire distance to Kentucky 169 Keene Road in Jessamine County. The two yellow arrows on the map above point to Reinheimer Lane and the star. Well, that's the site of the old mill, Old Clay's Mill. Wait, where does 169? I have to drive down 169 a lot. It's a shitty fucking road. Um, oh, whoa. I drive by this all the time. No way. Again, links are in the show notes if this you is are great. Yeah. confused about what's going on. And if you're driving and listening to this, well... Well, yeah, I mean, don't worry about it. It's just check a it road. out later. Why the fuck would this not exist? Maybe you're driving on Clay's Mill Road listening. We to love this. our arterials. Yeah, it's it's cool, and uh, they've they've got the mill, they've got everything there, the old the old road and everything. But there's some more that we still have to read. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm just reading it myself personally <laughs> on the podcast. Um, in the yellow square. Added to the 1861 map above, you can clearly see the word mill adjacent to the property defined as being Jane Barclays, which matches the newspaper's account noted above. A small arrow points to another sign, Clay's Road. Whoa. Then this uh, section called History Repeats Itself. Yes, I'm a history junkie, but I also like to follow the future growth of central Kentucky. You could only hope. As a result, I tend to read things like the Nicholasville Jessamine County Joint Comprehensive Plan every time it updates. It was last updated in June in, in 2017. Great. Buried on page 62 Great. is information about the proposed local connector road uh, and its potential future addition. Quote, begin at Clays Mill Road, begin at Clays Mill Road Extension south to meet Reinheimer Lane at Catnip Hill Road. No way. Continue from the south of Reinheimer Lane south to meet Keene Road. Next lane meetup is going to be just us starting at a... Uh, at Richmond, at the um, at uh, where Harrisburg and Clay's Mill intersect, and just walking down Clay's Mill, <laughs> it'll be a great day long activity. <laughs> exactly. Um, the proposed project is identified as three on the map below. Another interesting project four would extend Lexington's Boston Road all the way to Baker Lane in Jessamine County. With these all local right. connectors right. planned, you can anticipate a lot of residential growth in northern Jessamine County. If and when completed. The old course of Clay's Mill Road will once again run its full course. And history has a funny way of repeating itself, doesn't it? This is great. Here's three right here. You can see it's being extended. Three, and then what's that up there? And up here, this, uh, three is here again. So it uh, basically extend. So Clay's Mill Road ends right there, and it goes yeah. to well, I'm there. Gl- I'm glad because the more connector roads you have, the less suburban-y North Jessamine mm-hmm. County is going to be. I mean, it's deeply suburban-y, but it's, like, it's so fucked up how you can't you can't get anywhere but on 27. Yeah, I mean, um, here, here's a question for you, too. Would, would that help alleviate Nicholasville road traffic? Absolutely. I'm not saying build more. I'm not saying build more lane. But before you all pitch, take me with a pitchfork or anything, um, let me say this. There's a dedicated sect of people that will do anything to avoid Nicholasville Road. Um, Are you one of those people? In my younger days, when I didn't have to uh, drive for like 20 miles on Nicholasville Road every day, um, maybe so. Mm. Maybe so. Well, you heard it here first, folks. And you and it's happened again. <laughs> you wasted another perfectly good hour listening to Lame. All right. 
Our esteemed executive producer is Charlie Carey. Our stickers are by Claire Thompson from ClaireThompsonArt.com. That's right. You can email us at LexLamePod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at LamePod. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and you can catch our all of our episodes on LamePod.com. Um, and even though Hannah Legree appoints members to the Council Against Podcasters, um, to actively oppose uh, the dissemination of lame episodes whenever she hears us say it, this is lame. All right. Great stuff. Great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is done. This is done. I'm hitting stop Yay. now. I'm finally going to do it, It's guys. over. I'm doing it. I'm hitting the stop button.